Hey, good morning, folks. Hey, did any of you guys catch the, the third game of the World Series, that game that started Friday afternoon, I think, and ended up Saturday morning? Um, 18 innings, seven, almost seven and a half hours, and then this guy, Max Muncy, the second baseman for the Dodgers, he had been cut by a team prior, been out of baseball for a year, worked on a swing with his dad. At the bottom of the 18th inning, he gets up and hits this walk-off home run. It was, a, it was an epic game, a game to see, a game to witness, if you will. Um, great story, if you will. And I want to talk about God's story this morning. And I'm going to jump in. We're picking up God's story um, in the book of Acts. And this is right after uh, Jesus, right after the first Easter, if you will. Jesus has been crucified, died, buried, been in the tomb for three days. And the folks show up and the tomb is empty on that Sunday morning. And Acts picks up the story where Jesus proved to the world that he was still alive, that the grave would not hold him. And... um, loving on his people, sharing about the kingdom of God. But then um, right at the end, on the 40th day, he ascends into heaven. Right before their very eyes, he goes up into heaven. But before he goes up into heaven, he shares these last words with Jesus' closest followers. And we're going to show it up here. You will, Jesus' words to to the followers, you will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and, and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will share my story. You will be the arms and feet of me. You will be my witnesses. Wherever you go, you will be my witnesses. There's an old gospel song called Children Go Where I Send Thee. And I want that to be a prayer over us. And whether you're 5 or 85, we're all children of God this morning, okay? Um, but this song, I want to use it as the, or the words of this song as the backdrop of this message. And if you're taking notes, this is the first note in your, in your worship bulletin. Children, go where I send thee. Children, go where I send thee. And the first verse of that song goes like this. Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you one by one. One for the little bitty baby was born, born, born in Bethlehem. I met Rosie over the phone a week ago Friday. It was late Friday afternoon when I met Rosie. I was trying to get something worked out with a doctor's bill and insurance and my flexible spending account. Maybe you guys have been there. Um, I'm just being totally honest. This is, this, all of this happened. Um, I'd just gone to the doctors to try and pay a bill with my flex credit card. I knew in my account I had $450 and one cent, and I was just trying to pay this doctor's visit. And Jordan, sweet Jordan, eight and a half, maybe nine months pregnant behind the desk, was being very sweet to me, and she, she said, um, your card has been denied. And, and I groaned. And I looked at Jordan's, and from the look on Jordan's face, I scared her. And I didn't mean to scare her. I, I was embarrassed, and I was surprised but I was more embarrassed. She tried it again, no good. I said, how could this be? I had just checked my account balance. It had $450 and one cent in it. Sorry, Jordan said, denied. And I told Jordan, I'm going to straighten this out. I'll be right back. I'm going to work it out in the parking lot here. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And there's a number on the back of my Flex credit card, an 800 number, that I called from the doctor's parking lot. An automated message comes on, and this message, it reminds me to listen carefully, because some of the prompts may have changed, and I listen, I listen as carefully as I can, but none of the prompts are what I needed. And it says you can either press a number or speak, 
and the message was going to help me. So I spoke something that seemed close, but it wasn't, and it was leading me down this trail, this road that I didn't want to go to. Then I started pressing numbers, hoping it was going to get me on the right path, and it was going nowhere, and out of frustration, I hung up. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Second verse of that song, God's prayer over us, children go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you two by two, two for Paul and Silas. Cindy was with me. I asked Cindy to come with me um, two by two. Sometimes, many times, my wife Cindy, my life partner, she can stand back and watch me struggle with something, and then she speaks truth and blessing into a situation I'm struggling with. Now, I call back this 800 number, same options that don't help me, and I've got, I've got the call on speakerphone now, and my wife tells me, just, just t- tell the voice, um, customer service rep. And I tell her, babe, that's not even an option. She says, just say it. And I'm arguing with my wife while the automated message thing is waiting for me to say something. And suddenly the automated message starts giving me instructions in Spanish. <laughs> I, I hung up again and I was thinking, I wonder how far I can throw my cell phone. <laughs> and Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Third verse, God's prayer over us. Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you three by three. Three for the Hebrew children. I dial in again the 800 number. I again listen carefully to the prompts that may have changed. And at the first prompt, I say customer service rep. And magically, the machine listens and then tells me my conversation may be recorded for some reason I don't know. And all I really want to do is talk to someone that can help me And that's when Rosie comes into my life. Hi, this is Rosie. How can I help you this afternoon? Rosie, Rosie, Rosie. (laughs) I I am trying to be nice, but I'm not being nice. My voice has a tone in it. Rosie, I'm sitting outside of my doctor's office trying to figure out why my flexible credit card account has been denied. Can you help me? She says, yes, I can. But I just need to ask you a few security questions. (laughs) First and last name, street address, and last four numbers of your social. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Um, Fourth verse of that song, children, go where I send thee, how shall I send thee? I'm going to send you four by four, four for the four that stood at the door. Four for the four that stood at the door. Ever encounter gatekeepers in your life? Ever feel like you're standing at the door and you just want in and the gatekeeper keeps saying, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, I just wanted access to my $450.01 that was in my flexible health savings accounts so I could pay this doctor's bill and just check off one thing on my to-do list on this Friday afternoon. After I'd cleared security with Rosie very nicely and kindly, very professionally, and without an ounce of attitude towards me, who at this point had quite the attitude, I had moved from almost nice guy to first-class jerk. Um, And Rosie asked me again, how, how could she help me? Rosie, I'm at the doctor's office trying to pay my doctor's bill with my flexible spending account. And per your records, it tells me I have $450.01 in that account and my card has been denied. Rosie clicks on some computer keys. She tells me she sees it, but that there's been a temporary hold placed on my credit card pending some clarification on a previous claim. And at this point, I tell Rosie, Rosie, I submitted all that information a while back, and I hadn't heard back from you guys, and I assumed that it was all okay. More computer clicking. Rosie tells me she's just not seen it. I tell her I submitted it all per your request. She tries a couple of more things, and she's hanging with me. 
And I'm being a jerk with an attitude, I'll admit to that. Rosie, I can tell, is really trying to help me. This is late on a Friday afternoon now, and she's hanging with me despite my attitude. Isn't it funny sometimes, not really funny, but how we can stand behind a closed door or a phone call or an email or an anonymous note and be first-class jerks? I believe knucklehead is the holy term. It's in Scripture somewhere. Um, But when face-to-face, you or I would never act that way or, or hopefully wouldn't act that way. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Fifth verse, children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you five by five, five for the gospel preachers. Gospel preachers, over the last couple of Sundays, we've heard from some gospel preachers. As we've fussed with this good book series, messages from Pastor Michael and Pastor Drew, messages about the story of Jesus from the gospels, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some pictures of what Jesus looked like, some real, some imagined, and some reminders about what grace and forgiveness look like. Some life-giving stuff. Pastor Michael reminded us last week of how Jesus meets us right here, but reminded us that Jesus loves us too much to leave us there. And Michael reminded us of Jesus' words from John's gospel. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Pastor Drew reminding us of that jingle that many of us learned in grade school. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but, but names, but words will never hurt us. And how false, how wrong that really was. And how words can suck the life out of us. Or how words can give us life, abundant life. Bob Goff in his book, Love Does, he shares this story about how he, as a young kid, was trying to, young right out of college, was trying to get into law school. And and how he applied to a bunch of law schools, and because of his poor grades and his poor LSAT scores, he gets rejected by them all. In fact, he shares some of the law schools felt so sorry for him that they sent his application back with his application fee. Um, But but that, (laughs) you know you're hurting then. But, But this doesn't stop Bob Goff. Bob believed in his heart that he wanted to make a difference in the world, and he thought, maybe wrongly, that if he could be a lawyer, he could help change the world. He goes to this one law school near his home that he really wants to get into. He meets with the dean to tell him his desire. And the dean looks at his application and says, I'm really sorry, but this is a competitive program. You didn't make the cut. All I can say is try again next year. And as the dean is escorting Bob Goff, this kid, to the door, as the door is about to close, Bob throws out one more line of hope. Dean, dean, you have have the power to get me admitted here. You can change this. Just tell me to go buy my books, and I'm in. And the dean says, sorry, sorry, kid, <laughs> good luck. First day of law school, some of you guys know this story. Bob shows up and sits on the bench right outside of the dean's office. First time the dean comes out of the office, the dean sees Bob. They're sitting on the bench, and he, the dean gets this curious look on his face, and Bob says, just tell me, just tell me to go buy my books. The dean, he just smiles and continue on, continues on his way. Every time the dean walked in and out of his office that day, Bob would say the same thing. You have the power. Just tell me to go buy my books. Bob does it the first day and every day for that entire first week, no change. Every time that dean goes in anywhere, Bob says, just tell me to go buy my books. No change. He does it for the whole second week of law school. No change. By Friday of that second week, he's just saying, well, maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe this isn't going to work. But Friday afternoon late, the dean's door opens, and this time, The dean doesn't just brush by this crazy kid. He stops in front of Bob and speaks these words of life to Bob. Go buy your books. 
words of life, words of grace that change the kid's life from hopelessness and despair to hope. The power of words to bless somebody, to encourage somebody, to launch somebody. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you six by six, six for the six that never got fixed. Six for the six that never got fixed. I'm not sure what the original words meant in that old gospel song, but in my mind, I picture six pregnant cats, six for the six that never got fixed. Just, just so you know where my mind goes. You know, this is all edited. You should see the unedited version of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Back to the Rosie story. And, and trying to resolve this credit card issue, Rosie tells me that she can't find my earlier submittal, and she apologizes. But would there be any way I could resubmit, re- resubmit it? And if it would be helpful, all I have to do is take a picture of this middle and shoot it her way. And I explained to Rosie, I'm in my car, outside in my doctor's office. I can't do that right now. And Rosie says, that's okay. When you can, maybe even later this afternoon, get a copy of that earlier submittal and resubmit it to me. Email it to me. Take a picture of it. Whatever works for you. Rosie says, I'm here for another two hours. Just ask for me when you call in. And some of you know this. I, I, I shared some of this with you guys this morning. I grew up in New York. Um, deep down in my dark inside, I have this New York attitude at times. Um, I try not to show it here, but my family will vouch for it. I have it. I have it. Um, I grew up believing, witnessing that whoever was the loudest won the argument. Um, and that's, that's how New Yorkers were raised. I really believe it. It's in our DNA. And, and maybe I'm stereotyping some, but that's in my family. If you were the loudest, you won the argument. That's just hands down. Um, I wasn't loud to Rosie, but I know, my, I know I raised my voice. And she knew, Rosie knew I was upset and frustrated with this whole thing. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you seven by seven. Seven for the seven that never got to heaven. One of the elders of our church, Jerry McLeland, sent me a devotion this past week about our journey to heaven. And the devotion shared this story about this missionary couple who had been serving in Africa for 40 years. And they were retiring, and they were on a ship back to the United States. And on that that ship, President Teddy Roosevelt was also on the ship, and he had been on an African safari. And the ship comes into the port of New York City, and there are mobs of folks there celebrating Teddy Roosevelt's return and his successful hunt. He had shot an elephant and a rhinoceros. And this was big news stateside. And there were mobs of folks and a band playing in all kinds of celebration for the president. From the ship's railing, this missionary husband turns to his wife and says, we've been in Africa for 40 years, sacrificing everything, risking our lives to share the gospel, struggling so. The president comes over for two weeks. He shoots a rhinoceros and an elephant, and he gets a homecoming parade in celebration. We come home, and there's nothing. That night, the missionary, during his quiet time, he heard God's whisper to him. Don't forget, you are not home yet. Don't forget, you are not home yet. And I forget who said it, but I like this thought. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, we're all just walking each other home. When it's all said and done, we're, just, we're all just walking each other home to our heavenly home. How that walk home goes, how we witness to Jesus as we walk with each other home can make all the difference. 
That Friday afternoon, as I'm wrestling with Rosie over the phone and this denied credit card, I finally drive back home from the doctor's office to the house. And it's not like it's 45 minutes away. It's five minutes away. Found the earlier submittal in an email, and I called Rosie back. With my wife's coaching, I'd figured out how to get through this maddening automated message thing. Didn't get Rosie right away. Had to go through the the same security questions. Shared with the new person I just wanted to speak to Rosie. She checks Rosie's availability, and she gets back on the line and says, hold one second transferring you to Rosie. Now, at this point, if, if I was Rosie, I would have said to her coworker, is that that jerk from Colorado? <laughs> you tell him I'm busy or I quit and move to Cleveland. I do not want to speak to him. Th- that would have been me or maybe you, but it was not Rosie. Rosie gets on, hi, this is Rosie. How can I help you this afternoon? Rosie I didn't say this, but I wanted to. Rosie, stop being so nice to me. You're killing me with kindness. I don't like it. But I said, Rosie, I just spoke with you. I got the information I had sent previously, previously up on the computer. Can I forward that to you? She said, yes. She gives me her email address. I press send. And while we're on the phone, she gets it, approves it, and says, the hold on your card is removed. You're good to go. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Eighth verse, children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you eight by eight, eight for the eight that stood at the gate. Ever stand at a gate or a crossroads, and you know you have a couple of options. Go left or go right or go straight. Whichever way you go, the story's going to play out very, so very differently. In one of Jesus' messages, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, from Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter, I'm going to show it up. These are Jesus' words to us. In everything... Jesus is going to show it to us, but Paul is saying it's not there. Um, Listen, here we go. That's not the one, but hey, listen to this. Listen to this one. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through that gate. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find that. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Enter through the narrow gate. Near the end of my phone call with Rosie, at a crossroads, if you will, I stepped off of my I'm a knucklehead box just for a bit, and I told Rosie that I was sorry. I told her that I was being a jerk, and I just apologized for my behavior. And at least twice, Rosie said, you don't have to apologize. She understood. But yes, I did have to apologize. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Powerful words when spoken from the heart. When spoken at the crossroads, only spoken at the narrow gate. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you nine by nine, nine for the nine that looked so fine. Oh, how I can look so fine on the outside. I shared with Rosie near the end of our conversation that I was a pastor. <laughs> I, I, didn't share, I didn't share what kind of pastor I was. I didn't, I didn't want her to know that I was a care pastor. I almost alluded to her that I was the worship arts pastor or, <laughs> or, or the executive pastor. Because <laughs> I, I, I knew what she would be thinking. Glad I don't go to his church. <laughs> and I shared with Rosie that I was a pastor and that I was acting anything but Christ-like. 
And I told Rosie that in spite of me acting like a first-class jerk, cranky and short and prickly, she had treated me so Christ-like. And I shared with Rosie that I probably needed to share some of this story with you guys, with my church family, a sort of a confession of my knuckle-headedness. She said I didn't have to do that. And then she hesitated. She asked me if I would pray for her and her family. And I said, hey, is there anything specific? And she said, yeah, my, my daughter is away at college. She's struggling. Can you pray for her? And I said, you got it. Let's pray right here. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm going to send you 10 by 10, 10 for the 10 that just got in. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will tell the story. You will be my hands and feet wherever you go. And to quote Dr. Seuss, oh, the places we will go. And if you're taking notes, this is the second one. You will be my witnesses or not. You will be my witnesses or not. One way or another, depending on our words, our behavior, our attitudes, we will be witnesses. The book of Acts tells the story of the first century church and how it exploded going from 120 folks to over 3,000 overnight. We're not talking about a, a building or a synagogue. We're talking about people, a Holy Spirit-empowered people, in through the nose, out through the mouth, and how the early church acted as witnesses to Christ. And this is from Acts. I think we'll have it up here, maybe. This, um, they devoted themselves the early followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, united, and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They had fall fests. They had family bingo night. They had Galilean Sunday school. Um, will we be witnesses towards the light? If we call ourselves followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, apprentices, or students of Jesus, are we witnesses towards the light, the light of Jesus? And what kind of witnesses will we be? Will folks around us see how we treat others and say, I don't know what they're eating or drinking, but I want some of that. I need some of that. I want to live like that, shine like that. More from the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus' words, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Or do we go all first-class jerk on the next rosy we meet and snuff out the light, blow out the candle? Pastor Patrick's dad passed away a week ago today. Do I send him and his family a card of condolences? Or do I just think about it, never get to it? Or maybe worse, do I hold it back because I never really embraced Patrick as my pastor? And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Last fill in the blank. Grace and forgiveness and love required. Grace and forgiveness and love extended. The root, root word for witness in the original Greek language, the language that Acts was written in, is martyria. It's where we get our English word martyr. You will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrs. When we truly witness to Christ, there is a cost. We have to give up something of ourselves. We say in words or actions, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. You will be my witnesses. 
Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? Children, go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? Monday morning, I, I, I wrote to Rosie's boss and told Rosie's boss what a jerk, what a first-class jerk I had been. And if I had been Rosie, I would have hung up on me. And I told Rosie's boss how professional and kind he had been as we worked through our stuff. And I, t- I told Rosie's boss, if you get a chance, just thank Rosie for me. And if appropriate, give her a hug for me too. I copied, I copied Rosie on that email and she sent me back. She thanked me and she said, it made, made my day. And then she said, you know, I bring my Bible with me every day to work. And I read it between breaks. I read it on breaks. I read it between calls. I didn't say this, but I thought it. Maybe I should do the same. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Let's bow our heads. Um,